again. It's great to be with you all. Good to see you all. We're going to get into the Word of God. It's going to be great because God is good. It's already been such a beautiful, beautiful time together, hasn't it? Um, just celebrating Jesus in worship and creativity and the testimonies. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into the Word of God. If you have a Bible, we invite you to take it out, or if you like to look on a device, um, we're going to be all over the place, um, and so I'll give you directions as we get there. If you don't have a, a place to look, we will have them up here on the screen today. Um, before we jump in, just a, a couple of things um, Marvin did mention. The 504 is coming, and I think he gave us our catchphrase, 504-2024, all yours. We want to be all yours, Jesus. Um, that really has, is kind of the theme. Um, We'll be starting a, a series in the new year called Created for Connection. And so 504 is our 21 days where we, we center in on our connection with the Lord to begin the new year. So 2024, all yours. And I wanna, I'm telling you now, as we, of course you're going to Christmas, we're going to celebrate. Hopefully you get to be with family, eat lots of good foods. Um, but it helps to prepare yourself well. Uh, for a season of consecration. So this is your time to think, pray, talk to your uh, family, friends, spouse, whoever is around you, how you want to consecrate those 21 days and set them aside in a special way because you'll have 340-ish days to live the rest of your life uh, for uh, 2024. You want to start with 21 days specific. And if you don't have a plan for how you want to really uh, prioritize your connection with the Lord, you probably will not. Uh, prioritize your connection with the Lord. So um, we have resources on our website, spiritofchristchurch.net slash resources, easy, right? Um, on Bible reading plans, what it means to fast, how to fast, different ways to fast, um, study guides, all kinds of things. And if you need help, reach out. Um, there are lots of different ways to enter in. Um, they use your online Bible apps. We'll have reading plans as well. Um, you might want to consider doing a social media fast or a news fast. 21 days, you'll live if you don't hear the news. You might actually live better. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, just some ideas for you there. <laughs> All right, and then um, would love to encourage you during those 21 days, um, if you don't typically aren't able to make it to the Wednesday evening prayer gatherings to do so, sometimes I know our small groups have stopped for those 21 days so that you can set aside that time, or if your, your small group is meeting, you can make your small group the prayer meeting. Um, if your you know, family life keeps you at home, we will be streaming those as well, which we have not typically been doing, so you can join even online, all right? Business taken. All right, so we're going to jump into the Word. We have been in this series on the way of Jesus, and today, if you didn't catch it in worship, we're going to talk about uh, the humility of Jesus, that Jesus came lowly. Now, uh, well, let me help you understand how, well, obviously, we want to see Jesus for who he is and, and how he has come to us will strike our hearts with love, but there's also a call to us to live in line with the lowliness of Jesus. So um, as we get into it, let me, let me help you gather the, the reality here of why this, this matters to you um, by stepping aside for a sec. Have you ever met someone, a grown person, a grown man, grown woman, say 30, 40, who acted like a little kid, who is, uh, didn't take, yeah, that per don't name names, don't name names. You know, and, and we understand what, what maturity should look like 
you know, and though that person may be fully grown physically, say they're, you know, 30, 40 years old, but they act like a teenager, they're irresponsible, they're loose with their words, they don't handle their money, whatever it is, we can look at that person and say, you're not acting according to the maturity level you should be at, right? And, and in human terms, in the way we live our lives, uh, we measure maturity by responsibility, there's certain levels of responsibility you should be acquiring and taking and owning the, as you progress in physical age, right? In the kingdom of God, in, in our lives in Jesus, maturity is not measured by how long you've known the Lord. Because you can know the Lord for 30, 40 years and still be acting like a toddler in the faith. I'm not pointing fingers, um, but I want to get our metrics right. Just because you've been going to church all of your life doesn't mean you're living up to the level of maturity that you should be living in. So what is the metric? Well, the metric of maturity in the kingdom is the measure to which we have allowed the nature and the image of Christ to be formed in us, the character of Christ. And I would say one of the primary character traits of our Lord Jesus is his humility, so before we go thinking we know it all because we've been in church, we were raised in Sunday school, we know the answers to all the questions, so we must be mature. Let's get our metric right and understand that sometimes maturity in the kingdom doesn't look like years or head knowledge. It looks like finding the character and nature in Jesus. And as we're, you know, waist deep in the Advent season, it should be very apparent for us to observe remember, reflect, and be struck again with the lowliness of Jesus who came to us as a child. Amen? Um, if you want to put a jingle to my message, it would be, tis the season to be lowly. Fa la 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 la. Uh, let's pray. Father, as we step into your word, would you reveal Jesus to us afresh? Would you cultivate the nature of your son inside of us. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be more like him? Would you grow us up into the fullness of the stature of Christ Jesus? Give us eyes to see and ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, and before we, so I want to start today not diving straight into that. I felt like it was so important for us to do this in two phases. One, to look at Jesus and then to apply Jesus to our own lives so that we can walk in his way. But as the why of, of, of so it's not just like, well, that was a nice message, but I want you to feel a, a responsibility, if you will, to really look at him. You know, as we, we sang today, come and behold him. Behold him. Behold him. Because Psalm 16. Because Psalm 16 says this, um, verse 7 and 8, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night my heart also instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. And because he's at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Okay, that last part. I set the Lord before me and I will not be shaken. You know, in the trying times we're living in our world and some of us, the personal challenges in our own lives, sometimes we think the answer to the shaking or the crisis is to rise up, <laughs> to, to raise our voice, to do something about it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the way we truly find ourselves not being shaken in the times of, of turmoil and crisis, which will not go away until Jesus comes back, is to set the Lord before us, is to set our eyes on him, to keep looking at him, because what's happening today will change tomorrow. 
what's happening this year will change next year. But you know what doesn't change? The Lord. Jesus. And so we want to have a heart disciplined to keep our eyes coming back to the Lord. And as I said before, if maturity is being conformed into his image, the way we are formed into his image is by beholding him. First Corinthians 3.17 says this, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen. And verse 18, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. The way we grow in maturity, the way we are changed into his likeness is by beholding him, looking at him from one degree to the next degree to the next degree, to the next degree, simply by seeing him again and again and again and again. You don't just look at Jesus once, shake his hand, say a prayer, and you're done, right? You have to look at him again and again and again, because every time you look at him, you'll see something more. If you think you know Jesus, you've already lost. (laughs) There's so much more to him, and Christmas season is an amazing time because what we behold more than anything else is the humility of God. So that's my interest to the why. And now I want to look more deeply at it. And you can turn to this one, if you will, Isaiah chapter 9. There's two passages we'll be focusing in on specifically is Isaiah chapter 9 and Philippians chapter 2, which never get old. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, famous. There's lots of songs uh, been written about this. Um, but the, the, the contrast it paints is so striking about who the Lord is. So Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6, if you want to turn there again, it'll be up here. For to us, unto us, another version would say, a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's almost hard to not sing these, right? Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, we get excited and should get excited, and the people of God over the centuries have gotten excited about this this tale of who our Savior Messiah would be. This is who the people of Israel were longing and waiting for for generations, the one who would come and wear the government on his shoulders, who would extend his government more and more and more and more. They wanted to see the increasing uh, government of the Messiah, David's throne, alive and well on planet earth. That's what they want. That's what we want. But when we, when we see just the glory of his kingdom, when we see just the power of his government, when we just see that he's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, we sometimes miss how he came. How do we get the wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, the increase in the greatness of his government that has no end starts with a child is born. Now, if you get beyond the familiarity of that, that's stunning, right? That's striking unto 
who a child is born to us, a child is born, but this child is a king, not, not just a child, it's a son. It's not just a son, it's the son of God. We want, we want the conquering king. We want the glorious Messiah. That's what Israel wanted, and that's why many missed him on the first pass. Because we want a conquering king, but the conquering king conquers by coming as a child. Because in the kingdom of God, it's upside down. What wins the day is not our, our power, authority, and majesty. What brings breakthrough and victory is not the crown upon our head. It's the humility with which we walk in. Unto us a child was born. The way of Jesus and his humility is one of the most, I think, misunderstood realities of the kingdom of God. When we think of humility, even for ourselves at times, we think of, of, of weakness. We think of powerlessness. But walking in the way of Jesus' humility is the path of greatness in the kingdom of God. Walking in the way of Jesus' humility is the path of greatness. That's why he had to come as a child. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, and then we'll unpack a bit. Now this is post Post-Christ ministry, Paul's writing about him, and we see a similar refrain about the greatness of God through the humility of Jesus, but coming with it is an enjoinder to us. He's saying, we've seen Jesus, we've seen what he's like, and now we're being urged and encouraged through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit to live the same life, right? So jumping in, it says in verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2, uh, Verse 2 says, your attitude should be like Jesus, and here's what it's like. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Okay, that's wild. That's wild. Let's, let's read about it. Verse six, your mind, verse 6, your mindset should be like this. Who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he, the one being made in nature, the nature of God, made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. God took on human flesh. Mystery of mysteries. Keep reading verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death, even death on a cross. So not only did he wrap himself in the creation that he created, he humbled himself to the lowest place Dying a sinner's death on a cross. He went to the lowest place and therefore, verse 9, therefore, this is what I was just saying, the way of greatness is through the lowest road. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. How did Jesus be exalted the highest place by God? How did he receive the highest name, that the name that every knee will bow before, every tongue will confess? By going to the lowest place. Now, that's crazy. Because he already had everything. He was God. He is God. All of heaven's glories, all of heaven's riches belong to Jesus. They were already his. He had nothing to gain and everything to lose, right? But what does it say that he did? And, and it's believed, if your Bible has this kind of in refrains, is that it was a song. But the song that, that the, the early believers sang is that this one who had it all put it all aside and went to the lowest place. And you have to ask the question, why? Why would another version says he laid aside his glory? He laid aside all of heaven's glory. Having owned all of heaven's and all of its riches, and then another pastor would say that he emptied it all out. Why? To come to us, to serve, to bow low, to make himself as it were nothing, to be made in every way like you and me. Why? It's all for love. There's one reason. Love. That's the only reason anyone, let alone God himself, would empty himself of all. It's for the sake of love, to free us, to save us, to heal us, to deliver us, and most of all, to draw near to us. That's the humility of God. So he went to the lowest and was raised to the highest forever. So you have to see that Jesus sets the example. This is the way of God's kingdom. We, we reach the highest heights by, going, by choosing to take ourselves to the lowest lows. Jesus subjected himself to the ultimate weak human weakness, right? The one who had all power became absolutely powerless, subjecting himself to the form of an infant. Who's ever hung out with an infant? They are helpless beings. But God was one. Oh my gosh. But wait. Step back another minute. Did God Almighty, eternal King of Kings, just subject himself to the powerless weakness of an infant? No. He subjected himself to the womb of a woman. One of the most vulnerable places on the planet. One of the most powerless places on the planet. And don't miss the cultural implications of that today. He stepped into the most powerless, weak places. All for love. All for you. He went low, not just so that he would be lifted up, but to lift you up. It was the only way. He got in our flesh because we, like infants, are helpless without him. We're left to our own devices. We are powerless and will self-destruct. So it was imperative that he put on our human flesh. 
so that we're no longer be lost but found by God and near to God. And it was his choice to humble himself to make us free. Now you have to understand the reality of this. The songs we sing at Christmas that become so familiar. That if Jesus did not come to become like us, there would be no hope for us. There would be no hope. Aren't you glad he did? I'm glad he did too. Without Jesus coming to be with us, to be like us, there would be no hope for us. And now that you understand, if you understand and know and have received this one that came in lowliness to raise you up, now then, you become, you become the conduit of hope. You carry Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the call then is to walk in this world as he walked, in lowliness of heart and humility. Tis the season to be lowly. So contrary to our human nature, you become an agent of heaven's greatness when you subject yourself to lowliness. When you walk in the way of Jesus. As some have said, it's a great way to think of it. Now humility isn't that you think less of yourself. It's that you think of yourself less. Does that make sense? And this is really important because some Christians get a twisted idea of, of humility. It is not a self-deprecating, oh, I'm nothing. I don't matter. I have no meaning, no purpose, no value, so it doesn't matter what I do. I can do this. It's actually quite the opposite. I mean, flip the script back to the other page for a minute. Do you think Jesus at any moment was like, Oh, I'm nothing. I don't matter. No. At every moment, he was fully aware of where he came from and where he was going. He was aware that I stepped down from glory, laid it aside, and that's why I'm here. And at no moment was he under any delusion of like, oh, no. No, it wasn't like that. It's quite the opposite. The truth is you actually can't choose humility if you already think you're nothing. Does that make sense? You're, you're actually in error if, you, if your mindset says that you don't matter. Because, flip the script, return to the facts. What did Jesus do? Laid aside his glory. Came as a human helpless babe. Why? For you. And he didn't come to you because you were worthless. He didn't come for you because you're worthless. He came here for you and me because he said you're worth it. Are you hearing that? I don't feel like, I don't feel like you're hearing what I'm saying. Because there's more of you in the room who, who think you don't matter than are responding to what I just said. Okay? Jesus didn't come lowly because he thought you were worthless trash. He came lowly and paid the price, humbling himself even to death because he said you're worth it. And it was no small price. It wasn't a penny in the bank. It was all of his royal blood spilled out. There's no higher price he could have paid. And so when Jesus saw the joy before him, when he saw you and me, as he's living out his humble life, knowing it was going to a cross, 
knowing he would hang on a tree. He didn't say, oh man, Lord, if there's, it, it, uh, there must be a lower price we could pay. He said, this is the way because I know how much they are worth. I know how they much they are worth to me. I know how much they are worth to you, Father. A king doesn't give up his glory because you're worthless. He gives it up because you're worth it. So true humility starts there. That's how valuable I am. And knowing how valuable I am to God gives me great confidence in who I am, great confidence in my standing before him. If he went that low to have me, how could I say no? But then to have great confidence, the true humility says, I realize I'm something. I realize I matter. I know who I am to God. I know whose I am to God. And because I am getting a revelation of how loved I am, how valued I am by God, I can make a choice to lay my life down. I can make a choice to be lowly because it doesn't threaten my identity. The reason we buckle and bristle against opportunities to go lowly and to humble ourselves is because we think we'll lose something. We'll think we'll be abused. We'll think we'll be used. We'll think somebody will take advantage. And what if they do? Do you really lose anything? Is your identity based on what that person thinks of you or how they perceive you or how they treat you in the midst of that? Not if you understand how much you matter. Not if you understand how much you have already been loved. And that is unchanging. It's the unchanging nature of God. Doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. Doesn't matter how anyone else treats you. You know what? We've all treated Jesus like garbage at one time or another. And at no time did he say, okay, that's it. I'm just withdrawing my love and salvation from you because you just don't understand it. No. He paid the price beforehand. Paid up front. Knowing what you would do. Knowing how you would trample the grace of God underfoot. And he still said, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to say. I know how you're going to treat me. But I still say you're worth it. I still say it's worth it. I will still go to the lowest place for those who are ungrateful. It's a great gift of Jesus to us. So I hope there's two messages here. The true uh, humility operates when we know that we've already been fully loved. So some of us need to get free. We need to get confident before God because we believed a lie and deception that says we're nothing. We believe we're just doormats and we're not worth anything. I want to tell you that's not humility, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's actually, I would say that's deception. You got to read Philippians 2 again. And understand it's when you have something you, of worth that you know you can lay aside. That's when you're walking in humility. When you think you're a doormat, not worth anything, 
and it doesn't matter to anyone who you are or what happens to you. You're believing all the lies that the devil is trying to tell you. That's what's happening in that situation. And you need to start with, wait, who's Jesus? He's God. The riches of heaven were his. And he came, gave it all up for me. For me, for me, for me. If you were the only one here, he would have done it for you. And when you get transformed by that revelation, then you have permission to begin to take steps into walking in humility. Do you know who you are? Do you know what he's done for you? Do you know and understand what happens when you begin to follow the way of Jesus? This is the way that the kingdom comes. This is the way that the king of heaven came is through humility. You want to see more of the the activity of God's kingdom on earth? In your life, in your home, in your city? Walk in the way of humility. It's how the king comes. It's how the kingdom comes. You know, we all, or I can speak for me, we all want to do great things, right? We want to do great things in the earth. We want to be known for having the impact. We want to be known for being a change agent, for changing the world. But what if the greatest thing you can do with your life is to live your life for the sake of others? What if the greatest act you can accomplish with your life is to lay your life down? It may look like nothing to you, but it's everything in the kingdom. Jesus said it's greatness to lay aside your glory. And we all have it. All of us have strengths, gifts, weaknesses, accomplishments, and there's nothing wrong with all of that. Those are amazing, good, good things, but every opportunity we take to set those aside and serve someone else, God calls it greatness. He looks and says, that person's doing something great right now. That person's really great. Those are the headlines of heaven. Is when people lay aside their strengths, their accomplishments, their glory to serve someone else. That's what the angels celebrate, and that's what will be celebrated forever. Jesus laid aside his glory. His whole life, friends, was a sacrifice. His whole life was a surrender. And it was a glorious and joyful surrender. We're called to walk in that. And I will tell you this, too. In the kingdom of God, when we realize we don't have the power to bring about things that only God can, we should find ourselves in a place of surrender. Because the place of surrender is the place of greatest strength. It's Jesus' strength that we enter into when we surrender our own strength to him. Sometimes we're seeking the will of God, the way of God. We desire his kingdom. We're asking, we're seeking knockling. But sometimes we struggle. We struggle immensely because we don't see it happening. We don't see it happening. I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. And I believe the Lord say, well, but you're not surrendering. And we think we're fighting God. We're like, why isn't God doing this thing that I, I really believe God wants to do? And God's saying, I want to do the thing. But you have to let go. You're not fighting me. You're fighting yourself. The thing that stands in us many times of receiving and walking in, the promises that God has for us 
is sometimes ourselves. It's our own desire to cling to ourselves, to cling to our own selfish desires. Because at the end of the day, if the shine, the light of his glory was shown to you in the deepest place of our hearts, we don't fully trust him. We think if I really surrender, if I really go low, if I really lay aside these things, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to lose. But what happens is we still remain in pain instead of receiving his goodness. Sometimes, if we're honest, we think we're the only ones that know what's good for us. We think we're the only ones that can solve our issues and the only one who truly understands. But I'll tell you, there's one who knows better than you. And if he says, this is the way, then this is the way. I had a picture one time in prayer that changed my perspective on this. It was, uh, I saw, I was in this very plain room, but I could see, as it were, like in a vision or a dream, I don't remember what it was, on the other side of the wall was, was just, it was like heaven. It was glorious. Everything was gold and glittering and shiny. And uh, uh, I believe it was in a time of prayer. And I'm like, how do we get through? How do we break through? How do we see breakthrough in this thing? And then what I noticed at the, the bottom of the wall was this tiny door. It was like knee high. The only way to get in was to get on your knees and crawl through. And I knew what the Lord was saying. So you want that? You want that glory over there? You have to go low. You got to humble yourself. You got to be willing to get on, on your knees as it were. Let me close with a couple thoughts. Again, what, what if the greatest thing you can do in your life is lay your life down for others? What if it's not about your power, your position, your promotions, how much money you have or don't have, what accomplishments and achievements you can rack up? Now, all those things are fine. They're good. They're not bad, really. If God gives you opportunity for promotion, take it. If you get a raise, take it. <laughs> but what if those things aren't the greatest thing? That's what I'm saying. What if the greatest thing is laying your life down? Well, I'll tell you, there's a great king, a glorious king, who said this was the greatest thing I can do with my life. He laid his life down. And, and look what happened to the world. Look what happened for you and me. Look what has happened all over the, the nations. Because the king of kings said, me, me having heaven is nice, but what if I can bring you all with me? And the way was lowliness. The one who had everything gave up everything so that he could give us everything. So what does that look like to lay your life down then? What if the, the avenue to greatest breakthrough in your family, in your marriage, in our church, in your school, in your job, is to look for the way to go lower, to look for the way to serve another person, is look for a way to set aside your glory to see glory come to someone else? What if that is the way to true greatness? to find yourself in the place of lowliness and humility because you know that you've been loved, because you know that he went to the lowest for you. It truly is our act of love and service to choose to serve others. Now get it right, though. 
Because sometimes we, we, we find ourselves and we're trying, we're doing our best, I'm going to serve, I'm going to love, I'm going to go low. And then that person does not appreciate. Those people don't understand what you've laid aside for them. Let me remind you, your gift to go low, your gift to serve, your gift to choose to lift someone up instead of yourself is a gift of love to him, to the one who went to the low place. And he always sees. He always knows. He always acknowledges. He always appreciates. He always celebrates when you do that. And it, then it, if you know that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they see, if they acknowledge, if they, 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 they tell their neighbor about it. It doesn't matter if they give you a thank you card for it. You've got heavenly treasures in the God of glory who sees knows, and receives your gift of love. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'll tell you the opposite is true too. If our reason behind our service is to get an applause, to get a praise, and you get it, then you got your reward. Which I'll just say, that's nice, but it's actually really sad. That's the reward you want, that's the reward you'll get. I don't know about you, I like the heavenly bank account, a lot better. It pays dividends for eternity. This holiday season, as we are going through the remembrance of Jesus, coming to the God of glory, coming to us as a helpless, helpless, helpless one, let's remember him. Let's remember him coming lowly, and let's choose humility. I have a feeling you might need it. as you're hanging out with your family this year. When things get intense with your spouse, <laughs> when things don't look the way you want them to at work. There's so much that could be said, but I think you get it. Being like Jesus is the greatest gift you can give at Christmas. Let's stand. Can you come on up, Rachel? We're going to pray as we wrap up today. Just present ourselves to the Lord. It's amazing.